Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So today marks the beginning of a new worship series, and it is meant to be a breath or a liturgical pause. We find them in the book of the Psalms where you might see a strange word to us uh, as English speakers that says selah, which means arrest, as the book of Psalms is actually a book of songs, and there were times where you would want to rest and breathe and simply be, to let the marvelous words about our God fall and rest upon us. And so this series is meant to be just like that. We had a rather involved and at times difficult series last month about Christian conversations. And next month we will have one on dealing with disappointment as we in the United States work ever towards election day, which has become more and more a day that is filled with turmoil and tribulation and a rift between so many people. So for September, we wanted to have a time where we could focus on something that is meant to edify and encourage us. The names and the titles that are used to describe our God throughout the scriptures. Today, if we were reading this same text in the original Hebrew language in which it was not just spoken, but later scribbly written, what we would find is that everywhere the word God with a capital G appears in English, there would be the word Elohim. And that word is typically used in Hebrew to describe other deities in plural, two or more. It could be a pantheon, it could be a small gathering, and so that it would reflect multiple gods. And yet, in this context, Elohim means the God, the God of Israel, the creator God that is described in the book of Genesis. This is the God that chooses to open up this engagement in the Holy Scriptures by declaring to us that God created thoughtfully, intentionally, with great care and concern, not only for those that would be alive, as the Scripture says, with the breath of life within them, but those to whom this creation would be entrusted, that every person, all humankind, were to magnify this same creator God. And so therefore this God says to us, I have created with great wisdom and intention. I have created this world and all that is in it. I have illuminated it. I have set forth boundaries and given homes, the air for the birds, the oceans and the seas for the fish, and the land for the wild beasts, the cattle, and especially humankind, and including the things that creep upon the earth, all the way down to even the lowliest cockroach. God has thought about them. And God says, and I have made sure that you have food to eat to sustain you. And now I ask you to be my representatives here, not to abuse and to overuse this gift of creation, but to guide it, to be stewards, to take your position of dominion and to rule justly over all that I have created and place in your hands. 
giving you tremendous power and authority. And as we reflect on this, what we find is that this God that is encapsulated in the term Elohim, how do we reconcile that? How do we think about a God that has a name that is given to us that should mean more than one God? And our siblings in faith of Judaism have wrestled with this in the rabbinic tradition. They have gone back and forth about, well, maybe it is just God and the heavenly beings, the angels and that divine court. Or there were some who said, well, maybe there was an incorrect understanding in the very ancient Israelites that maybe there were sub-levels of gods that God oversaw. But we now know that that is not true. And they have gone back and forth on trying to discover what is meant by the plurality of God's name. Now, as Christians, we could easily look at it and say, well, perhaps there was a prophetic foreshadowing in that word, because we know that there are three persons that have been revealed to us in this God, and that perhaps this is the beginning of starting to show us that our God is so massive, so beyond the ability of our minds to fathom that it takes three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, just to begin to give us a glimpse and an understanding into a God of this magnitude. But no matter how we look at this word or, or from what tradition we come, what we discover is the same, that Elohim, God in English with a capital G, reminds us of who our God is. Not just a God of the ancient Israelites or a God of the Israelite people, the God of the Jews, or even just the God of the Christians, or the God of the Muslims, all of us united in the Abrahamic faiths. That instead, this God chose to be defined in the very beginning as a creator, one who brings forth life, not happenstance or on whimsy, but with great intention and care, holding all life sacred, and not just so that it would be good, but on the sixth day, God declared, it is very good, very good indeed. And so we are reminded that this God that we serve, this God that we know, that we develop a relationship that is about love, this God that forgives us and gives us all the grace that we could ever need and more, this God has chosen to be defined in this way, revealed to us in the scriptures as the one who cares for that which God brings forth. Doesn't just set it loose, but ensures that we are called into a relationship where we are stewards of even one another, carrying on the tradition that is begun in the book of Genesis by loving one another, ensuring that our human and earthly needs are met, even as God reaches out to meet our heavenly and spiritual needs. It's an incredible gift in the scriptures, and yet often we don't think about it because we simply see God with a capital G and move on. We don't recognize just how vital that name is. And there are multiple sources for stories in the Old Testament, especially in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and the book of Genesis would be one of those. In there, we discover that there was a group of stories that was told and retold by the priesthood and they favored the title Elohim. 
And there was a story that was told by the popular account, by the laity of the day, and they tended to use a different name, Yahweh. And so when you are reading in the Old Testament and you see the word God, you are in the first five books of the Bible getting the priestly narrative. When you see Lord with the capital L and the low caps, the small caps O-R-D, what you're really seeing is Yahweh. But there are times where they will intermingle and you will see in a single chapter a bouncing back and forth. So for those of us that have grown up perhaps in the Sunday school system or those of us who have been Christians for a while, when we see and pay attention to these names, not only do they describe our God, but they are also describing a tradition of relationship. Not only the relationship of the priesthood, but a relationship of the people. And that there was a relationship between the priesthood and the people coming together to magnify God, to serve our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. And that is what we testify to when we invoke those names and titles. The problem is that oftentimes if you gather where there are abundance of people and you simply listen, you will find that many times now in our culture, it is common to invoke these names without care for the deity to whom they are ascribed. It is very common to go out in public and hear someone exclaim, oh my God, and to follow it up with some outrage or criticism or anger. But yet the psalm that we said together in our gathering liturgy used the phrase, O God, in praise and followed it up with the glorious things that God had done and is doing for God's people. The things that God promises that God will always do for us. So even in our scriptures, we are given the example of using God's names and titles to ground us in the promise and the hope that we have. So when we hear people become flippant about how they use God's name, we ought to think very carefully about that, especially if that's a colloquialism that we have developed or perhaps inherited, that we should be very careful about that. One of the things that has happened to me multiple times over the course of my ministry is that I have served as a youth pastor. And anybody who's ever been a youth pastor knows that one of the greatest challenges and joys of being a youth pastor are confirmation retreats, where you gather a whole bunch of young teenagers in a vehicle together and you migrate somewhere so that you can be pretty much sequestered with these same young people in a meaningful and intentional and often uh, humorous way. And so as we are traveling, it has always been my habit to allow them to pick the music which can open up a whole wormhole of issues. But when you let people share their music, you are creating an opportunity to bond. For music is very personal and meaningful, just as our sacred music in the church is. And so I would allow them to take control of the radio station, or it used to be they could bring their CDs, and now we just Bluetooth it. They're able to take control of the music that we will listen to, often for many hours together. And one of the things that we quickly discover is that there are explicit lyrics to their favorite secular songs. And one of the great things that happens is that sometimes they forget that those explicit lyrics are there. 
And so they'll start singing along with the lyrics, and then as they start to realize about two words before the expletive comes, they will start to sing very loud and hope that you don't hear as they yammer over the expletive. And then there's a great silence that falls upon the vehicle as they all wait with bated breath to see what Pastor Sarah will have to say about their lyrics. And one of the conversations we have is that you, there is technically a difference between profanity, the words that we, for social etiquette reasons, encourage people not to say, and the words that we are prohibited from saying in scripture. And I tell them, actually, there's no commandment against curse words that we have in English because those were developed long after the scriptures. I said, but there is a prohibition against taking the Lord's name in vain. And so I will make a deal with you. I will continue to listen to your music if you will spend all of our time together avoiding saying, oh my God. And it quickly becomes very difficult for some of them to drop that colloquialism from their words. But that is explicitly prohibited. And why? Why do the scriptures spend so many times saying, don't take the Lord's name in vain? It's such a prohibitive commandment that there are streams within Judaism that will not even say the word God, nor will they write it for fear that they should profane God's name. But when we sit around and we listen to how people use that phrase, oh my God, we often hear it combined with outrage and pain and sometimes unholy complaining. But we are called to be a people who invoke God in joy, in prayers of petition, in righteous anger, but so that God may take our righteous anger and use it to fuel actions that are embodied in kindness and mercy rather than vengeance and wrath. And so the next time we hear someone even someone in our own household, utter God's name in vain. It's an opportunity for us to respond. You know, you talk about God, let me tell you where I saw God this week. You know, the invocation of the name God, which is Elohim, tells me about a God that loves us even when we feel unlovable. It reminds me of a God that loves me and you and the people that we would complain about. It is a God who has not only created us, but refuses to walk away, abandon us, and turn God's back on us. And we experience this God in the missions of the church, the ministries of the church. We experience this God in our worship. We are a people that have the opportunity to take God's name and then follow it up with an opportunity to testify to the glory of this God. When you say, oh my God, it makes me think of that sunrise where the colors begin to emerge from the darkness and illuminate the entire skyline. And you're almost breathless watching the sun emerge from the darkness of night. Or it reminds me of my favorite animal. And you can start to talk about how that animal has brought you glory and it reminds you of the intention of God to create and give us such wonderful life here on the earth that not, we not only marvel at, but we celebrate. There's an opportunity for us to talk about God in a good and redeeming way because too often now, 
our God is understood as a vengeful, wrathful God, a God that is just filled with anger that seeks to destroy or that has caused chaos and pain and suffering in the life of so many. Because unfortunately, too often, God's name has become tainted and slandered by the actions of those that follow that same God. And so we have a moment to use our words for redemption. Now, people say that about God, but my experience is that when I felt that no one could love me, my God did. And when I thought that it was all about me, that God showed me that even I can be part of this incredible work here in this world. In the missions that we have done, the way that we feed people when they're hungry, the way that people are able to call the body of Christ in their most dire financial straits and find that there are people that will not only hear them and receive their pain, but respond with precisely what they need to be safe and secure in a time that is marked by fear and anxiety, social and economical despair, that we are able to respond because of who our God is, that the same God testified to in Hebrew as Elohim is the same God that is very much present and with us now, a God who has not walked away, but a God who has actually come closer that in our moments of need, this God draws to us rather than waiting for us to stumble around in the darkness and hope that we can grasp onto something that leads us to the light of a new day. Our God is with us in the darkness, in the dawn, and in the daylight, and never abandons us. When we use that name, God, my God, our God, your God, we are invoking that understanding of our Lord. We are inviting that God to not only hear our voices, recognize what's going on in our lives, but come and be a part of what is happening here. Imagine being our God and only hearing your name invoked in chaos and cries of outrage. Imagine if your name were to be co-opted and so that every time something horrible happened, they cried out your name. How heartbreaking and devastating would it be? Now, we have a tradition sometimes of doing that. I know that when my son has done something truly horrible, which doesn't happen very often, but when it does, sometimes his full name comes out of my mouth and then he knows that he is in trouble. But then... Sometimes we focus on really special names. That same son that can draw forth uh, unholy wrath on my part is the same son, is the only one that calls me mom. And so there is a name for that special relationship. That's what we are invited to share with the world, what our relationship with this God means. Not to buy into their co-opting, not to hear it and just let it slide, but to engage it in a way that testifies to who our God is. How many times have we heard the Lord's name profaned? And not even intentionally, it just seems to be part of what people say. But we are a people of great intention. We are a people that were not only created with purpose, but we have been redeemed for a purpose. The same God that created 
was then incarnate in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that God chose to redeem us intentionally, taking our sin and our guilt, our death, and purging them through the cross so that we could have all the grace that we need. So when people start to use our God's name as an expletive, it's our duty to respond with a praise. Oh my God, how wonderful it is that even when we feel overwhelmed by circumstances in context of COVID-19, you reach out to us in love. Oh my God, we praise you for the ways in which we can still experience your goodness and your grace, even in new and unexpected ways. My God, what a gift it is to be a part of a body of Christ that refuses to fade away, even if we cannot be together in the same way that we were used to being and that we crave even now. That you have found new ways for you are a God that not just created, but is making things new. In between the de declaration in Genesis that God has created things and called them very good is a proclamation, prophetic and true, in the book of Revelation, a bookend to all of Scripture, that 66 books are contained within the words that creation is very good and that I am making all things new. So that whatever happens in between in our lives that brings about pain and suffering, God is here with us and within us working to make things new. May God make our language new. May God make our world new. May God find ways to sustain us in the midst of a newness that is frightening and challenging and it's sometimes so difficult that it makes us feel hopeless. May God find ways for us to grow and to share the proclamation that even in the midst of these times, God is at work and we share in that glory because we have all shared in that grace, knowing that we have been forgiven, knowing that we are loved, and knowing that we are part of God's redeeming work here in this world. That is the testimony that we are invited to share. And that is why when we use God's name, God, Elohim, we must pay attention to the one that we are calling upon, intended or not, we must pay attention to the relationship that we are either glorifying or being very flippant about. We are not a laissez-faire people. We are a people that are here for a purpose. And that purpose is to share the gift of our God, to let others know that God is as much theirs as, thank God, God is ours. And that is the testimony that we are invited and encouraged and in this day and time challenged to put forth. May it be so for the proclamation of the good and hope that we have in Jesus Christ is only as good as those that will speak God's name and proclaim God's glory and share that love, that grace, that relationship with the world.
may it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.